Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Money matters. Um, I, I said last week, uh, we talked about being strapped last week. We talked about the, the challenge of being in debt. That if you are somebody who has borrowed money, uh, Proverbs 22 tells us that the borrower is the slave or the servant of the lender. That you come under their power. And if you are in debt, you are strapped. We talked about how that restricts us, how it limits us. Um, I also did the classic apology about speaking about money. Terrible, we always do this apology thing, isn't it? I don't want to apologize for speaking about money. But I know some might go, why the timing of we're talking about money, we're taking our building fund. I believe that talking about money is really important. I think money is really spiritual. I think when we sat down last year at October time, we said, what is the most important thing to talk about when we talk about being rooted and talk about discipleship? Money is really high up on the agenda. How you spend your money reflects the heart, the treasure that you have. Where you put your money, your treasure, is where your heart is. There is a connection between those two things. And discipleship and money is really important. So last week we talked about being strapped, and we talked about this whole thing about that we don't serve money, we serve God. Money serves us. Money is a thing we use. When the relationships get out of control, we end up serving money, and that's not helpful. We need to serve God, and money serves us. The relationship is very much in that way. God first, money well down the pecking order. So I know today there'll be people sitting here who are feeling strapped. You're feeling limited. You know, we've taken up a building offering, and some of you will feel like, I couldn't give to that. Can I just say, don't feel any kind of guilt. We're a family. Some can give, some can't. Whatever you bring is what you bring. We are community together. And I want to say our job is to do this as a family and not just to kind of go, well, I can't, so I opt out. Bring what you can. Trust God with the rest. Bring what you can. Even I don't care if people give 50p. It's about us doing something together. And I don't want your circumstance to restrict you feeling part of something. So this money conversation is not meant to make people feel guilty I'm not going to stand here as an expert in finances. I can tell you some cracking stories of where I've got it very, very wrong. In fact, probably more accurately, Lottie could tell you some cracking stories about where I have got it very wrong. (laughs) And I know some of you here will be sitting here. Some of you will be in surplus. Money is good. You're in a financially wealthy situation. Some of you will be in surplus. Some of you will be solid. Your money works. It just, you know, what goes in goes out. And some of you will be strapped. You'll be struggling because what comes in is not covering what needs to go out the door. And I know I'm speaking to all three um, elements this morning. And I want to speak to you and say, this is a really important value of discipleship. And your money, however much you have got, how we handle it is really important. And so today I want to give a few thoughts about that. Um, you know, and we're going to talk about how we manage our money today. You know, there's a funny old rule that used to go around about money, that um, if you didn't have the money, you wouldn't buy it. Do you remember that old rule? It's a funny idea, isn't it? Can you imagine? <laughs> we used to have this weird rule, that if you didn't have the money in your bank, you wouldn't buy it. I mean, some of the younger people are in the room going, seriously, that was ever a thing? Like, yeah, yeah, it used to be this thing that if you didn't have the cash in your pocket or the money in your bank, you didn't buy it. Now it's much more, well, if you want it, there's always a way to get it. I came across this video, this advert that says, do you deserve it? Have a look at this video quickly. I know I want it, but 
Do I deserve it? Introducing the new Fiesta ST. So there we go. It's a very simple system. If you, if you can cut that now, Billy. If you've ever been a bridesmaid in a really bad dress, you deserve a new car. Or the alternative video for that is a guy going to a chick flick movie. He's the only guy in a, in a cinema full of girls crying. And it's like, yeah, you deserve a new car because you've had to go through a bad cinema experience. What, what kind of mentality goes on that says, we deserve something? How am I going to pay for it? Can I afford it? Well, that's all in the small print. Don't you worry about it. There's a monthly fee. It's okay. The end balloon payment, that, don't worry about it. That's, that's three years away. We'll get to that problem when we get to it. And when we look at the world now, the old rule of if you've got the money, you buy things. The new rule is, well, I deserve it. I want it. I can even persuade myself maybe that I need it. So I want to say to you today that money really matters. Because if you're in financial chaos, if you are struggling with your finances, I want to say the good news is we can find biblical, practical ways of handling your money so that money comes under your control. You don't get out of control. You get your money under control. I want us to be money smart at Freedom Church. And so today I've entitled this talk, At Your Wage. You like that? I thought that was fun. Act your wage. Act your wage. Use what God has given you and no more. Psalm, Psalm 24 says this. Oh, sorry. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Love that. That's quite funny. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Everything is God's. When we come to talk about money, and possessions, and stuff. It's all God's. And in Genesis, he then challenges man. He challenges Adam at the time. He says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. And there's a few places in Genesis that talks about the responsibility that we carry to care for what God has given to each one of us. Everything is God's, but each one of us has something to look after. You've all got a piece of responsibility. I don't know what you do right now to manage your finances. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I don't know whether you keep all your receipts in a box or a bucket. I don't know whether you just throw your receipts away. I don't know whether you scribble down notes and you keep a, an impeccable system of how you spend your finances. I don't know whether you have a, a piece of software that you use or an app that you use or you keep spreadsheets of every payment in and out of your personal finances. I don't know whether your money goes underneath the bed or you have a bank account. I don't know what you do with you plan your budget meticulously. But I hope you do something to manage your money. Maybe you put your cash in your envelopes. Maybe you have them in a jar on the windowsill or something. I don't know how you handle your money, but it makes a difference how you do it and making sure that your money comes under your control. Last week, I started to tell a bit of a story of, of Lottie and myself when we were first married. Two weeks before we got married, um, I, I lost my job, and a job, a job came to an end, and I was unemployed at the start of our married life. It was a weird couple of weeks where I was both excited for the future and a little bit nervous of my mother-in-law at the same time who's sitting just over there, because she's probably thinking, seriously, my daughter could probably have done better than this. And I was that moment of like going, God, what are you calling us to do? What should I be doing? How are we going to make this work? And, and worrying about our financial situation. 
Well, the good news is you'll be pleased to hear, those who've been on bated breath since last week, uh, that I did get a job just after we got married, and uh, I pulled in a grand total of £10,000 per annum. Yes, per year. Uh, my wife was um, a nursery nurse. Lottie was pulling in a grand total of £4,500 per year. And so between us, I know it was 96 at the time, so it doesn't make sense. You think, oh, seriously, how much was a loaf of bread? I can tell you, a loaf of bread was 19p. Because we used to buy the Tesco blue and white striped ones. You remember the blue and white striped stuff? Our shopping was all blue and white striped. And when we were first married, we were in a small little flat with a few dodgy neighbours around. It was a little bit of a weird place. And uh, we, we saved like we could not save like now. I mean, we, we literally lived off fresh air if we could. And we put everything to one side. For six months, we rented this flat and we lived as frugally as we could. So at the end of the year, in December, 22nd December, we bought our first house. They said to us, you'll never get in before Christmas. As Lottie knows, it's a terrible thing to say to me. She now uses it the way around. She says, well, you could probably never do the gardening today, could you? Oh, yes, I can. You'll never paint that wall. Yes, I can. And they said, you'll never get into your new house before Christmas. And I was like, yes, we can. So 22nd December, we moved into our new house. I had to fight the mortgage company to give us our grand total mortgage ready, £39,000 mortgage. They didn't want to give me more than 37 and a half, but I persuaded them. And that's when you could talk to real people back in those days. I moved to our first house and we saved everything. We put this deposit down and we lived as, every, as we could just to live within our means. And it's something we've always done. We've tried to do everything we can to live within our means. We use every system under the sun. And it's typically for us, we hit Christmas and we go generous and we you know, we like to give, and, and the more children we've got, we've kind of given more. And then come the January time, we're like, oh, what just happened? So every January, we're like, okay, back to if we could find it, the blue and white striped bread for 19p. And we're kind of going, oh, crack on again. And we're really careful with our money. We've tried to be really careful. I can tell you some stories where we haven't been so careful, where I haven't been so careful. And I've had to learn Lottie's intuition. She may not be very good at maths, but her intuition is often better than my calculator. And so I've had to, we've had to learn how we do finances together. And it's really important if you're in a married couple to find out how do you do finances together because you will be different. And so I know we've been fortunate. We now live in a really lovely home and just house prices are crazy. I don't know how people like Ben and Beth getting their first house. That's a tough, tough call to, to get onto the housing ladder when you can't just pick them up for the sort of money some of us who are a bit older look back and go, they used to be much cheaper, didn't they? Didn't feel very cheap at the time. If I really extravagant, £41,000 for a house. Now I wish I'd bought five. Uh, but <laughs> that was not going to happen, but there we go. So, you know, here's the thing about the story of, of the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that Jesus... Um, came to this earth. He was sent by his Father God because he loved us so much that if we believed him in our faith, that God through his grace sets each one of us free, that we don't have any debts to pay because he has paid the ultimate price. He has taken our place and substituted for our sin. That's the story of the cross. But you know, that includes every part of your life. It's not just your spiritual life. It's every aspect of your life. God is interested in the details of your everyday. God is interested in your finances. He wants you to be in a healthy position with your money. And I'm not talking here about the gospel of poverty. The thinking that if I, have, if I live off little, and if I am frugal, and if I'm careful, and I, people will admire me for my spirituality, 
That's not what God is saying. He said, I didn't come to give you a life where you're limited and you're restricted. Or the other extreme where you kind of almost like a gospel of prosperity where I want to have affluence and I want to have materialism and I want to have everything I want. And this idea that almost God has blessed me because I'm special. That's, like, that's pandering. to an, uh, That's not healthy. God is the God of good news. Good news, the gospel, means he is the God of provision. God will provide all your needs according to his riches, not your poverty or your prosperity, but his riches in heaven. Thank you for that one clap over there from a golf spectator. But God provides all that we need. God is the one who provides. He is the one that gives us all. He is Jehovah Jireh. The gospel is a message of hope, a message of good news. And so I want to give us today five things that we can consider really important, really practical today about how we manage our money. Five things. I believe you put these things into place they will help you in your financial, everyday money management. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Number one, the most important one, put God first. Put God first. Every time you put anything else first, it never works. And I can tell you loads of car crashes we've had, literally sometimes, about why we've not put God first. God first every time. Matthew 6 says this, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. That verse comes at the end of earlier Matthew 6, uh, verse 24, and it's saying you can't love God and money. You can't serve two masters. And then he carries on and says, but if you seek first the king and his kingdom and his righteousness, that stuff will all work out. If you put God first, the money works. After 22 years being married, I can tell you that when we put God first, it works. The finances work. God comes through every time. Don't focus your mind on stuff or even your lack of stuff. Focus your mind on God who is the provider of all the stuff you will ever need. Put God first. Don't love God and material things. Love God. Put him first and all these things will be added to you. Number two, it's all his anyway. It's all God's anyway. When we get our hands off all the stuff and go, you know what, we shrug your shoulders and go, it's God's. It's his stuff. It's never ours. If you think you bought it with your money that you earned in your self-made situation, you're wrong. It's his stuff. He has given it to you. He has allowed you to have that stuff. And instead of being someone who clings on to what you've been given, we need to learn to live open-handed with what we've been given. Because why? It's his. Psalm 89, the heavens are yours. The earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. We're simply the stewards of what God has allowed us to handle. We can talk more about this next week, but I think it's really important to make. Important to make. We can talk about tithing next week and giving and generosity and giving to live. But part of managing your finances and recognizing that it's all his anyway, I believe in the tithe. I believe in the bringing of what God has given to me and bringing a portion back into my local church. It's something Lottie and I have always done. 
before we were both married, we gave to our local church. The day we joined this church here and we took on this role, we said, thank you so much to our previous church. Thank you for your investment in our lives. Thank you for your support of us. We are now taking what you have, we've been given to that and we're going to bring it to our local church, our local storehouse of support and encouragement and family, and we bring that here. You know, that's not something that should be done out of, you know, a sense of compulsion or force to do that. something I want to do. We want to do. You know, Jesus said, bring what you bring cheerfully. Be a cheerful giver. And we're glad to bring our, our tithe towards this church. We're glad to invest in this. But you know what? It's something we do because it's all his anyway. And we get to give him, or not even give him, we get to bring some of that back. And say, actually, God, I want to put you first. I want to give everything I have to you, and I'll bring a portion back. And on top of that, generosity to other things, which we'll talk about, like I say, more next week. Time is a little bit against us this morning. Um, and I want to say as well about things like tithing and principles. It, it should never be a law. It is always a principle that should free us. When we talk about money, I don't create more rules that create more restrictions. You see, Jesus had no time for people who took the law too far. In Leviticus, he said to the Pharisees, not Leviticus, sorry, um, in, in um, the Gospels, he spoke to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. He said, you know what? You've got your tithing down pat. You've actually nailed your 10% of your mint and your cumin. Don't worry, there was like stuff they used to kind of have in those days. He said, you actually nailed your 10%, but you forgot the most important things. You forgot about justice and mercy and being faithful. And he's saying, don't get so hung up on the law Remember the heart behind the principle. And so when we talk about money and giving, money and handing of our money should release us. And when we, when we treat our money the way that God asks us to do through his word, it will release us and it won't restrict us. Our, our handing of our finances should never be a rule that causes us to be less than we're meant to be. It should free us and enable us to do what God is calling us to do. That's why I wanted to teach on this teaching series. I want you to get a handle on it. If you're younger in this room, you're starting to get your first paycheck and trying to learn how to manage your money, please listen to this. You know, the best thing I can give you is not an amount of money to pay off any debt or to handle, just give you cash just to help you out. The best gift I can give you is tools that will enable you to manage your money for years to come. And how you handle your finances reflect where your heart is. God doesn't mind us having stuff. He doesn't mind us having stuff. He's got no problem with you having things. He minds it when stuff has you. He minds it when they, your things grip your attention. When the next thing you want to buy becomes the main focus of your energy and your finances. Let's live open-handed. Number three. I hope you're getting all of these. Number one, sorry, was number one was put God first. Number two, it's all his anyway. Number three is embrace the value of self-control. In value of self-control. When we talked about the fruits of the Spirit a few weeks ago, we talked about this hidden, forgotten fruit of self-control. When it comes to the money situations you all deal with every day, this is really important. This is what tells you when you see an advert that says you deserve it, you think, you know what? I see that, but I see through it. I don't need that. You're telling me I want something. I, that's the whole point of marketing, is to sell you something you didn't know you needed. How many times have you bought something, walked out the shop and thought, why did I buy that? It's amazing, the psychology that goes into, the money that is spent on selling you things you don't even want is incredible. 
And I'm going to challenge you on your self-control. When my children, less so now, when they were younger, they'd see all the adverts, especially just before Christmas. And they'd be like, I want that. And immediately after they'd seen the advert, they'd come and say, I want one of those. And I knew within 24 hours they would have forgotten what they'd even seen. And their classic you know, parental response was, you know, we'll see. Yeah, well, maybe you know, talk to us again tomorrow. Next week we'll talk about it. Because we knew they'd forget. Because the want is such a strong feeling. But self-control says, do you actually need that? Do you need that? I'm going to offend probably half the room twice. But women, they like buying lovely little things. They like getting their hair done, buying shoes, shoes. My wife came home the other day with a bag full of shoes. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm giving up spending in May. <laughs> it's a true story. Like two days ago, I'm like, seriously? Yeah, I'm going to give up spending in May. So I thought I'd just got to... So what is that about? Girls like buying lots of stuff. It's like a thing we do. You do. I don't. But men, you blow it out of the park when you do spend, don't you? I mean, the gadget you buy is not the bottom of the line. It's the top of the line. If you're going to buy a car, you're going to buy a really good car. And somehow you convince the other partner in your world. You say, I need this. I need all the extras on the car package that I'm looking at. No, some of you? Let me pimp that ride for you, my dear. Make it really special. Or I could do with the iPhone 5, but really the X, I need that for my work. Or I need that for my activities I'm involved with. Or I love this line, this one I use. It's an investment in our future. <laughs> the children are getting bigger. We need a better car. I think it'll be an investment in our future. Honestly, well, I've tried that a few times, and I think Lottie's starting to see through it, and she will now. She will do now. <laughs> But do you need to get the things done you're getting done? Do you need to spend the money you're spending your money on? Is it actually a need or is it a want? Do you need to buy a coffee every single day from a local coffee store? You start doing the maths, it gets pretty scary. Do you need it? If you say no to some things now, you can say yes to things for a lot longer. If you say, no, I don't need those things right now, you will have the finance to buy things for a lot longer. If you live like no one else does in our society, then literally you will live like no one else. The world is trying to take your money out of your pocket all the time. And it takes self-control to say no to things that are in front of our faces. Number three, self-control. Number four, embrace the value of sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He gave up his life for us. He gave everything for us. He endured the cross. He knew there was a joy waiting before him in heaven, but he started to go through the pain and the suffering and the sacrifice of death, even death on a cross. I wonder what you're willing to sacrifice when it comes to your finances. I wonder what you're willing to give up on. I wonder if you can give up on something you love to gain something you love even more. I wonder whether you'd give up your your TV package for a year, your Sky package, your Netflix, your Amazon Prime, whether you'd, whether you'd give that up, whether you could even do that, whether you'd even give up your home and reduce the size of your house because the outgoings are more than you can afford, or whether you'd give up your privacy and give up your space by renting a room out, 
doing something with that, airbnb it or something? Is that something you could do? Or giving up eating out for lunch every day? Apparently, according to a study that was done last year, the average UK worker spends almost £2,000 a year eating lunch out at work. The person who packs their lunch the night before, you cost a measly £500 a year. You're saving yourself 1,500 quid by packing a packed lunch. And it's probably healthier and probably a little bit more thought through. Would you be prepared to give up those things that you think are needs? Would you give up on store cards, credit cards? Would you start buying only what you've got cash for? Would you make some sacrifices of things that you love that would make a real difference to your finances? What I find fascinating is when I ever try and make a sacrifice of things that I would love to do, but I think, no, that's not the right thing. The peer pressure around me is immense. The comments from friends of mine who often, good Christian people often will say, seriously, you deserve that. It's about time you got yourself something, you know, a nicer car or a nicer thing. People want you to do well, I get that. But sometimes there's a sacrifice that we need to go, no, this is the right thing to do for myself and my family at this time because we've got a bigger mission out there than just being like the person next door. Let's make sure we embrace this value of sacrifice. That's fourth thing, sacrifice. Lastly, planning. This is probably the hardest thing, to embrace the value of planning. In Luke 14, Jesus says, who would begin, ironically here in our present conversation, who would begin the construction of a building without working out all the maths first, (laughs) without getting all the church to give graciously, didn't say that. But he said, you know, you want to make sure you think through before you build something. I'm glad that when Noah built the ark, he built it when God told him to, not when the rain started coming down. Some of us plan our finances when it all goes wrong. We panic and we go, oh, the finances need to be looked at because suddenly you've lost your job or things have gone wrong or something's broken. That's not the time to start the conversation. That's a little bit late. We need to be planning with our finances. I want to give you a few um, tips on how we do that. I'm not giving you all the answers because I haven't got them all. But Proverbs 21 says this, Plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. You need to plan. You know that old adage, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's true. So here we go. Six little, uh, little, little helpful, don't call me, you know, I'm not... I'm not, you know, what's his name, Martin from the, uh, the finance show. That's not what I've got all this stuff from. This is biblical, helpful truths. The truth is you can easily wander into financial mess, but you can't wander out. I've met too many Christians, and I know you, maybe you know them as well, that they get into a financial mess and they pray. Don't, I'm not mis, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying prayer is not powerful. They pray that God will provide for their needs. They pray that somebody will shove some money through their letterbox. They pray that somebody will notice that they're in need of something and they'll deliver what they haven't got. There's a time for that, but there's also a time to plan what God has already given you. And it's important that we do that. So number one, plan your budget. Have have an idea of what is coming into your house. You should know. Sit down at your table, fix a time, and sort it out and stick to it. If you need help, get some help. We've got our CAP money course. Brevin, somewhere, where are you, Brevin? There you go, Brevin, stand up for us. This is Brevin at the back here. Brevin runs our CAP money course, and he has got loads of these budget planners with him. Um, there's some on the information point, and Brevin's got some as well. We run our CAP money course every now and then. If you want to get onto the next course, or if you want to get hold of a simple paper budget planner, do this. It will really help you with your finances. Plan a budget, number one. Number two, save for emergencies. 
Stuff happens. Things break. Your kids kick a ball through the window. If they don't, your neighbor's kids might. Cars get tires punctured. Boilers break down. Washing machines stop working. These things happen. And we shouldn't really be surprised if you own a home or own a car or own anything when things go wrong. Oh, didn't see that coming. I know, but save for emergencies. Have some money set to one side or a way of doing it. Things do go wrong. And if you plan your budget, you'll be surprised how many less things surprise you. I always find it fascinating how people go, I didn't realize my MOT was due. I wasn't ready for the insurance payment on the house. Those things happen every year. If you budget properly, you will know they're coming. This may sound for some of you, this is common sense. For other of you, this is like lights on moment. Seriously, I can plan that annual payment. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Every single month, Lottie and I put a certain amount of money to one side for our annual payments, not just our monthly payments. So we know over 12 months, hopefully, we can pay for things. It's not perfect, but we plan towards it. Number three, sell stuff. You have all got garages, sheds, lofts, cupboards, full of things you never use. True? Somebody else might love that stuff, and even if they don't, sell it anyway. Sell it. Get rid of stuff. We don't need stuff that kind of just holds us back and limits us. Sell stuff. Sell stuff you don't need. Get rid of things. And then others might enjoy it, and you'll enjoy the free space. Maybe you could even Airbnb the empty shed. I don't know. Uh, Number four, pay off debt. If you've got any debt at all, pay it off. I'm not talking about your mortgage or managed debt. I'm saying get rid of debt. Debt restricts you. It holds you back. If you've got payments on things, try and get rid of those things. They will hold you back. The interest rates are outrageous. Your store card may look really reasonable. Oh, it's only a few pounds. Yes, it's a few pounds, but you'll also pay a few pounds interest on that money, and you won't be knocking back your debt very quickly. Pay off your debt as soon as you possibly can. Number five, I'm aware of time. Sorry to rattle through. And before you buy something, pray. I'm not talking about getting on your knees in the middle of the high street store or Aldi middle aisle. That's probably the best one, isn't it? You think, do I need the trouser press? I think I should pray. You definitely should pray if that's even a thought in your mind. I'm not talking about getting on your knees in the middle of the store, but can I suggest you want to buy something that you think, do I need that? Go away and pray. Go away and spend a few moments. And if it's a big purchase, you know, if you're making a big purchase like a house or a car or a big holiday, pray. The answer is not no. The answer is just pray. Say, God, is this the right time for us? Is this now a good thing to be buying and spending our money on? Pray before you buy. It's amazing how people pray after they've bought something. Lord, help me. I've really messed up. What are we going to do? Pray before you buy. Really important point. And number six, don't worry what other people think. Because that's what got you in the problem in the first place. Our, 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 the way we work as a society is so affected by the people's opinions of us. We spend our money because what other people think of us rather than what we actually need. I love this quote from Will Smith. It says this, Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't even like. But it's true. And you might have that flashy new gadget or thing because your brother's got one. You want to go for the one better model. But actually, why? Don't worry what other people think. Worry what God thinks. Because after all, it's all his anyway. We're just managing it. Let's get the worship team up here. Bring things to an end. You know, money is there to be used. It's a thing to be used. It's there to be managed. We need to manage it well. 
There is no problem with having money. But the question is, what are you going to do with what you've got? And so I'll just give you one last principle that I try and work towards. And this, I've called it the 80-10-10 rule, but in some ways, or principle. You know, if you can save 10% of all that you have coming in, if you can give 10%, and if you can live off 80%, that's a really good thing to aim for. What would be better is if you could save more, give more, and live off less. John Wesley famously said, said, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. In the story of the talents, where that uh, story Jesus told, where he gave his, the master gave his servants different amounts of money. To one, he gave five coins, five talents. To one, he gave two coins, two talents. To the last one, he gave one coin. The talent was a term used for a coin at that time. And the master gave his three servants these three amounts of money. And you know the story. The master comes back from his time away and he says to his servants, what have you done with what you've been given? How do you manage your money? And the first was, well, you gave me five and I've doubled it. I've got you ten. Little bragging moment there. The other guy said, well, I, I had two and I've doubled it. I've, I've got four. And the last one goes, I, I didn't know what to do with it, so I, I buried it. I was afraid of you. And here you go, you can have your one coin back. And the master in the story that Jesus tells turns to the other two servants and says, well done, good and faithful servants. Because you've been trusted and been faithful with little, I will give you much. I genuinely believe, especially for those who are maybe younger and you're starting out with earning a, a small amount of money, if you can use what you've got right now and use it well, God will give you much. If you've only got a small amount of income, you think, well, I haven't got very much, Tim. You know what? That's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. How you handle your money is more important than what you buy with your money. It's the heart every time. This is why money is so important, because it reflects our attitude and our heart. I want to get our, I want Freedom Church to be a place where our finances are under control, where people are free in their finances, that there is financial health in this community. That's why I love to see that people are not held back with their financial circumstances. The earth is the Lord's and everything is His. Everything is His. We get to steward a small piece of it. I wonder how you're doing with yours. Let's stand and pray, shall we? Lord God, I thank you that you are a generous God. You have given so much to each one of us. Thank you that you are the one with cattle on a thousand hills. You are the, the God of much, of huge resources. And you choose to entrust us with small amounts to see how we'll do with them. Lord, I pray that this be a church that manages its money well. That people will be in financial freedom not financial stress. This will be a place where people are financially healthy, not financially limited. And we pray in your name, Lord God, that you enable people here to make the practical steps they need to take, to ask for help from those, from friends, from connect groups, to support them in the next steps they need to take. Lord, may we not just see this as a nice thought, but actually a life-changing opportunity, we pray. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.